Tampa Bay. This is uh, Down and Dirty. If you're listening on Friday at 10 a.m. to WMNF, you've tuned in to the right station at the right time. My name is Mario Nunez. I'm one of your co-hosts today. I'm seated alongside my broadcast partner. Good morning, Mario. John Dingfelder, how are you? I'm doing good. You know what? We're going to have to dock Jason's uh, uh, hefty uh, volunteer salary. Uh, Absolutely. You know, a little... But that's okay. He gave us a little preview as to one of the other songs that's coming up in a minute. And it's a little foreshadowing. So maybe his intuition and, and maybe that error was actually something pre-planned. Oh, indeed. We can go with that. Mysteries are deep. Good morning, Jason. So so today we've got a couple of guests in studio that uh, are going to, I think, intrigue you with, with their knowledge, with their experience. Those of you that have been in Tampa for a hot minute and in the Bay Area would know these two names, certainly, before we get to our guests. Hey, let's get down and dirty with a couple of things that might be on your mind, Johnny, on my mind, that um, that over the past week or so have just taken us aback. You got, you well, got something? No, no what's, what's on your mind, Mario? Because I was at the beach for a couple of days, and the only thing on my mind was surf and sand. All right, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about... Um, Fireworks. Can we talk about fireworks for a second? <laughs> fireworks. Can we talk about fireworks for a second? Okay, thank you. So so July 4th is one of those holidays that comes about every year, as is New Year's Eve. And, you know, every year we do the same thing. We talk about the stress that it gives, you know, puts on everybody, the animals, certainly the ones that are outside, the ones that are inside. And, and there's a calamity each and every year. Hmm. And, and this year was no exception. We had something that happened on uh, on the causeway that was really disturbing a 7-year-old child was was accidentally shot because uh, people were gathered at the causeway to do um watch the celebration and of course everybody's carrying guns these days why why you might ask john well because there, there's permitless carry now in the state you don't even have to have instructions you don't even have to have any kind of classes it's tragic and and things like this will happen okay so that's a nice segue into also we're looking at temperatures right temperatures in the in the bay area that have have ascended to heights and record numbers that we've never seen before you were at the beach john did it feel uh, extra hot to you this time uh, this time around Jumped jumped in the Gulf often and uh, how was that bath water? Wasn't, wasn't so bad. Yeah, wasn't but, so bad. About ninety eight degrees, but the but the water. And you know what? The, the water, water temperature. The water was so clear, and I had my goggles on, and I was swimming through uh, uh, through uh, sheep's head. Uh, beautiful schools of uh, of sheep's head. They were like. 12, 14 inches long. Absent your gig or your spear I, gun. I'll tell you what. They would, have, they would have been in trouble. They would have been in serious trouble. Uh, all I'm, all I'm offering to you is for, if you've been in the Bay Area for any length of time, you know full well that these temperatures and this meteorological phenomenon that we're experiencing is nothing normal. It does. It's not supposed to be A97 degrees here, which it was on July 4th. Oh, I, the hottest day recorded on Earth in 125,000. Thousand years, one hundred and twenty-five thousand years. Thank you, and 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 oh, by the way, it has nothing to do with 
climate change or any of these things that are happening. Yeah. So on a lighter note. No, we don't uh, want to go lighter. This I, is down and dirty. No, but on a lighter note, we, um, Lynn and I went over on the 4th of July evening to yes. Clearwater yes. and met some friends up there. And they just opened up this beautiful venue. I can't remember the name of it. The Sound. And it's a big, giant amphitheater with 4,000 seats. City of Clearwater spent $80 million on that and the surrounding park. It was a beautiful facility. The Florida Orchestra played for two hours. Um, it was wonderful. We sat there. They had a, a couple of oak trees, so we sat under the shade and listened to the orchestra. And then afterwards at 9 o'clock, 9.30, they shot off the fireworks right over the bay. It was a quintessential Florida evening. It's beautiful. Okay, so we know who's down and we know who's dirty. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to let me be sad today. That's no, Friday, not, the end of the week. We are not. We are in a lighter. We are in a lighter mood this uh, today. All right. So I'll leave my comments on the governor uh, for another time. Okay. Because <laughs> because that that that's a whole nother show. Well, he's what's out. He, what's he up to? Well, well, he's out there parading around. And oh, by the way, this is fabulous. This guy is he's, as much as he's trying to connect with people, and he's the guy that never was invited to sit at the cool kids' table in either junior high or high school, right? So he's got an axe to grind. He's out there trying desperately to connect with the people in the upper uh, Midwest and in, in New Hampshire and all these places. And, and, and his numbers keep dropping, which is fabulous. And while he's out there doing this glad-handing routine, uh, malaria is on the rise. Can you imagine? We eradicated malaria in, in, our, in our state in 1951, in this country in 1951. But yet it's and. While this is happening, the two main posts in, in, the, in the state government are, are without uh, any kind of uh, uh, control, right? Nobody, nobody's at the helm of the Department of Health in the state because they're leaving. They're leaving state government because our governor, he's just not one that you want to well, work for. Well, first he decimated uh, Florida and now he abandoned Florida. But other than that, well, other other than that he's a great guy. Yeah, there you he go. loves meatballs, though. <laughs> and pudding. Ah, meatball run. All right. So, uh, listen, uh, let's remind our, our folks that uh, they can call in uh, Absolutely. today after we get the show going with our two guests. That's 813-239-9663. If you'd like to send us an email, and remember, this is all about inclusion, right? This this show is, we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear your opinions on not only the topics and the guests, but we want you to contribute as well. So the email is dj at wmnf.org. And if you'd like to text us, because people do that these days as well, it's 813-433-0885. But call us, call us. We love it when you call did us. You, did you mention our phone answer? Yes, well, I, I would love for you to do that. I'll leave that to you, sir. <laughs> Our beautiful, charming, brilliant phone answer also happens to be my wife, Lynn Marvin Dingfelder. It's getting embarrassing, John. If you just want to call and chat with Lynn, she'll be glad to, to chat with you. But uh, 813-239-9663. And she's got a mic, too, so if she feels like she needs oh to join God. this conversation, are we you, can open oh, her mic. trouble now. There uh -oh, we are. There she is. And there we are. Thank you, Lynn. How are you, how are you in that other booth, honey? Missing you, sweetie. There oh, you go. Every, she's, she's feet away, y'all. Every she's minute, feet every away. minute without me. Absence makes the heart grow. Fun. One of our <laughs> guests. One of our guests is also a marriage counselor. So uh, that's right. It's not, not that we need it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pick it up from there. That's a nice little segue. John, go ahead and introduce our first guest. All right. Let's uh, let's introduce both of them, Jason. With, with a little song. And everything looks worse in black and white.
<laughs> you, you might not have heard us, but we were definitely bouncing and singing to that song in the I studio. I love to take a photograph. I mean, that just takes you right back to your junior high school years, doesn't it? Absolutely. <clears throat> so, in our studio today, who you got? You got Andy? I got Andy. You got... Uh, Chip. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce Chip first? All right. Chip Wiener, welcome to the studio. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Glad to be here. Thanks, All for, right. thanks for having me. So, Chip, let me read a little bio on you. Chip <laughs> is a Tampa-based freelance photographer and photojournalist, born and raised on Davis Island. He specializes in food, documentary photographer, and portraits. He began his career with film cameras shooting bodybuilders at a friend's gym, and then he ended up with, like, a motorcycle gang or something like that. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to talk about that either later on today or another, right. yes, we will. another show. Then he got into uh, f uh, photographing food and uh, environmental shots. He loves images of people in their environment. I think that's where we met several times at various political events and, and community events. He also went to graduate school, got a master's of science degree in counseling psychology. When he's not shooting beautiful pictures, he's helping folks with their issues in South Tampa. Uh, I'm sure there's no shortage. Um, <laughs> he also is a teacher, uh, a teacher at the uh, University of South Florida uh, in journalism program. Chip, welcome. Thank you so much. So All glad right. to be here. All right. Chip. See, we know each other pretty we well. We do. We do. <clears throat> Listen, and, and I'm grateful that you took the time this morning, along with our other guest, Andy Hughes. We'll get to you, Andy. We see you there, Andy. Stay awake, Andy. <laughs> Chip, tell everybody a little bit about photography as it relates to the Bay Area, right, at large, yes. at large, and, and the importance of the photographs that you have recently, safe to say you discovered, or at least you have... Found a uh, I became aware of them. There you go. Yes, so, there you go. Uh, yeah, the Tampa history, we're fortunate that we have this collection, first of all, with the Burgert Brothers, which started back in the late 1800s and went through around 1960. And what I've done over the last several years is taken those photos and really re-photographed those same scenes on how they look today. But I think the importance of that collection is that we have the ability, we have this visual history to look back and see what Tampa's development has been for the last hundred and something years. And it's absolutely fantastic to be able to see the buildings, some of the things that are still there, some that aren't, but to have this representation of what this city has been for the last hundred and something years, it's just fantastic. The Burger Brothers, it's just mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Um, available online uh, through the uh, library system, Tampa Hillsborough Library System, I can sit there and that's a rabbit hole for it me. It really is. It's also available. Some of the shots are available through the USF digital collection, also available online. And, and there was another group at that same time. Uh, their name was Robertson and Fresh. They were sort of friendly competitors to the Burgerts. And those are also at USF digital collection. So, so how do we get them to the, ne the next collection? How do we go into the 20th century? Thanks for asking. <laughs> As I was kind of wrapping things up and doing the Burgert uh, re-photographing. Uh, talked with Andy out at USF and we had some chats about things that were happening and some of the other things that were in the collection. And he asked me if I'd ever seen uh, Skip Gandy's work. And I hadn't, I, I knew Skip. He and I actually met uh, several years ago when I was doing a fashion shoot. <laughs> and I, he let me use his airplane uh, in the shoot. And it was, it just came out fabulous. He had this gorgeous airplane. And I assume he, he flew out of uh, Peter O'Knight Airport. He, that's where we did the shoot, was actually at Peter O'Knight, because he was a, a big, big guy out there. And, uh, 
anyway, so talked to Andy about it and started looking through some of the collections, some of the photographs at least that were online and was amazed at what I saw. And so he let me start taking a look through some of the negatives because the majority of the 80,000 photos from... Repeat that again? 80,000 photos. That's a prolific... it's a, it's a big yeah, number. Hey, so who's, who's this Andy guy you keep referring right, so to? Right, so we've had two shout-outs for Andy Hughes. Let me go ahead and tell you a little bit about Andy Hughes. Born in Chicago, we won't hold that against him because he got here as soon as he could. Actually, he's very much a Floridian. Andy is an associate librarian in the special collections. An honorary at, Tim Pena. Oh, no, 100%. 100%. He's not wearing his hat today, but uh, he, it's in the car. I know it is. <laughs> He's got two degrees from the University of South Florida. He's a proud bull. History and English. But I think what, what we might know Andy mostly mm. for is his ability to capture the written word and use it in ways that leave us all wanting for more. He's been published now on three different occasions. He was part and parcel to the wonderful uh, book on the history of the Columbia Restaurant. He's also written a book called From Saloons to Steakhouses, A History of Tampa as it, uh, as it, uh, Through the Lens of Its Culinary Experiences. And, of course, maybe some people would say he's written the definitive book on the Cuban sandwich. That is still to be debated. Andy, twice we've, been, we've called your name out. Now say hello so they can hear your voice. Hello, hello. There he is. Yeah, great to be here. Thank good, you. Good morning, Andy. Uh, Mario, a little shout-out to your dad in the Columbia restaurant relationship? Have mercy. Uh, yeah, he's been there for a hot... Well, he... Okay, when he came back from New York to his beloved Tampa, trying to find a job, the first place... That, what, what, what decade? Uh, this was in the ni- early 1950s. Okay. Mom and dad came back in, in 51 with uh, two sons in tow, and uh, my father had already had... But some, not the good one. No, he wasn't here yet. Okay. He didn't come All until right. a little bit the best, later. The best comes last. The end of the decade, yeah. So um, he found employment through the uh, waiters' union, right, Union 6. He found uh, uh, employment at the Columbia Restaurant, ultimately, and stayed there for about 25 years. And, wow. and, and I think because he just turned, shout out to Felipe Nunez, who just turned 95 uh, on the 29th of June. Thank you. He, um, he, he might be, and I think it's safe to say, the uh, oldest living original waiter at the Columbia Restaurant. And by original, I mean that worked for um, the second generation caretaker, which is Casimiro Hernandez Jr., right? So there was Casimiro Sr. who started the saloon. Wow. Casimiro Jr. took it over and handed it off to Cesar Gunsmart. We know the rest of the history well. But my pop... He's so old. That's where you say, how old is he? <laughs> how old is he? He actually worked for Casimiro Jr. It's pretty impressive. Happy well, birthday, Pop. Well, happy birthday, Dad. Thanks for that shout-out. So, Andy, uh, what was your involvement with the Skip Candy collection? So, um, <clears throat> I was there when it arrived at uh, at the library. I was talked. there a discussion? Do we want it? Do we not want it? Or was it a no-brainer? Well, yeah, it was a no-brainer for me. I mean, certainly, um, you know, I met Skip um, and... He wasn't quite sure what to do. He was winding down his years as a photographer and everything. And this was in 2011, right around then. A fascinating guy. Um, yeah. I, I ran into Skip on a couple of occasions, I think maybe sailing at Davison Yacht Club and and also, more importantly, environmental issues. Right. He was a huge environmentalist, had been documenting and chronicling from the air and the ground uh, all the changes, many negative changes that have happened in the in the Tampa Bay area, but um, so so um, but the Gandhi. Think, let's let, you know anybody who's listening goes. Wait a second, Gandhi. That sounds familiar. Right. Yeah. Uh, so and it was his relative, his um, 
grandfather, great grandfather, great grandfather, right. yeah, who was responsible for building the Gandhi Bridge, which eventually was kind of taken back by the government during World War II. Yeah, the, and the the first bridge across the bay, right? Because prior to that, and if anybody wanted to go to St. Pete, other than maybe flying across in the in that mail plane. But basically, the the average Joe or Josephine had to drive up and around Oldsmar and, and right. uh, Safety Harbor and then come all the way down. That was probably a full-day adventure oh, yeah. on dirt roads, I would think. Needed to pack a lunch, more than likely. Or well, else take a boat, I guess. They probably were they taking a boat. Go, boats going across. Yeah. yeah, originally, I guess there was a toll for the bridge, and then... Uh, I guess that's where the government got involved and said we right. we don't we don't want that to happen anymore. Yeah, yeah I, the servicemen were going across, you know, between Tampa and Pinellas so much. So. Listen, if you'd like to get in on the conversation, this is a good time to join us. Let's queue up the phones. Call us at eight one three two three nine nine six six three. 239-9663 in the eight one three area code. Let me say that how lucky are we? To have had not only the Burger Brothers, what, all five, six of them? I mean, these these guys were amazing. First of all, you had six sons back at the turn of the century, and they all joined the, the family business, the photography business. The Robertson Fresh Collection, which is also important to the history of Tampa, and now Gandhi. And, and for those people that have been here for a minute, they'll recognize these names. There are others also that are important to us. Andy Tell us a little bit. Give us the richness of, of right. this history and why it's important. And tell us a little bit about the collections generally. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that's, that sets this apart, I mean, if we're talking about the Berger Brothers, you know, it's a, they're a commercial photography firm. So, you know, it has it has its charms, but it also has its limitations as far as, you know, only so many people were paying, you know, to have pictures taken, et cetera. Generally um, a very white collection. Right. Um, and, and I, you know, because... And, uh, sadly and, enough, they were the ones who had the money. Right, and, and Gandhi is is something rather similar, except that it also has the aerial component. So this is really where it's it it becomes a little more unique. Except I mean, first itself. of all, about half the collection is, is is the commercial stuff, and this is not just Tampa. This is Pinellas County. It's really up and down the west coast of Florida. Um, but then you have this aerial photography, and really the main function of this photography. He had a special gyroscope that he had fashioned into his plane that um oh, this is this is the skip the most recent skip yeah well there was sandy was his was yeah was his did father sandy fly too his father he did yes okay yes. he taught skip okay cool yeah, yeah and, he, and uh, he was a photographer as well yes yeah, sandy so and he worked for the tampa Time. tampa daily times times, times right. first and yeah probably transition to the trip and um yeah and so so he really, the collection starts with him in like the 1950s and 60s. And then Skip really um, uh, takes up the mantle in like around 1970. Um, and, and the aerial photography becomes a really important part of what they're doing. So uh, every time someone wants to do an aerial survey, so if McDonald's wants to open at an intersection, they get the, a picture taken. So, so it was kind of an interesting position that Skip was in in the sense that he didn't really approve of a lot of the changes and especially the pollution that was going on. Um, but he was participating yeah. in it in a weird way. Right, and he was helping to make it happen, and it was a big part of his livelihood because, and they didn't really like having this, you know, higher skip because, like, for example, if if he saw Tico, you know, doing some egregious, uh, you know, pollution, he'd take pictures of that, and, you know, even though no one paid him to do that, and he had a wall of shame. So on the outside of his shop on Davis Island, he would have 
you know, all these these images like shame on Tico, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. So, um, so a lot of times people did not like you know this this kind of outspoken photographer. Yeah, but he might have been the only game in town right, when and, it came to aerial photography. Right, but a, m a month later, they would be going, hey, uh, we need to build a new site, and Skip, would you fly for us again? So yeah. He did a lot of work, not just for their sites, but they commissioned him to do a lot. Tico commissioned him to do a lot of just regular commercial work of different businesses and different buildings, and that's part of... The greatness of this collection is that we have these images of buildings and so on around town. Yeah, um, I think the other place that Skip and I crossed paths was, God, 25 years ago, uh, the county uh, mosquito control was was spraying, um, I think it was malathion. Malathion, yep. And, and I was living on Davis Island at, at the time with my children, little children, and all of a sudden you, you go outside and there's this nasty mist coming over Davis Island and... You know, and you realize, what, and it smelled, and it was like drippy, sappy, nasty. And you look into it, and it's like, oh my God, they're spraying malathion on Davis Island, you know, and and on the bay, and on Tampa General Hospital, and across South Tampa, et cetera, uh, for mosquitoes. Right. And and I went crazy, um, you know, starting to call people. I called Mr. Colbreth, uh, you know, uh, no, that was a different issue. That was a Tico issue. But anyway, I started making phone calls and and this sort of thing, and and I. And Skip Gandy got in touch with me, and I remember that because, you know, he was on the same plane as I was in terms of just being appalled, you know, that we were having these chemicals uh, sprayed on the environment and on the people in South Tampa. It's interesting the way his interest in the environment came to be. There's a photograph of his dad's car in their carport on Davis Island which was right across the channel from the phosphate uh, loading. Right. And he wrote with his finger in the dust something about, you know, the, the phosphate. And I think that sort of started his interest possibly in the environment is because he lived on Davis Island when those ships were directly, because he lived right on the channel, directly across the channel from him. And the sulfuric he, acid, yes. if you, were, if you grew up there, Chip. Uh, the sulfuric acid would come blowing across yep. and burn the paint off of people's cars yep. on, on Davis Island. Uh, yeah. the, the, by the way, uh, now it's Harbor Island, and, and right. you know, it's a whole different ballgame. It's Seddon Island. Can, can I say, as, as you're describing this horrible situation, that I, you know, I always thought it was kind of a, privilege and a kind of a neat thing to have grown up on Davis Island. This is making West Tampa look pretty good right about now. I'm just, I'm just saying. Well, you well know, if, if, you, if you hear Skip's description of it, because I've heard his, uh, his oral history his at oral the Tampa, Tampa Bay Estuary program, Correct. I was going to mention that. So if you want to hear two hours of Skip Ganey talking about his environmental issues, yeah. Tampa Bay Estuary program has a beautiful oral history. And he talks about sort of the division on Davis Island of what how it was sort of this desert, at least the part that he lived in, and the the differing people and, and I guess the social strata that was there as well. He's just the... What a dynamic Well, and actually, that interview was done um, by the USF Libraries, and it's uh, it's the Tampa Bay Estuary Project. Oh, cool. So, yeah, so that was done by us, and that was uh, actually Tico-funded that project. So <laughs> everything kind of came full circle. <laughs> How ironic. Yeah. The strange bedfellows, right? Yeah. You can have but really, yeah, it is a good project, though. And it's, it's, it's about not just activists, but also, 
you know, um, how the, how corporations all came to the table, too, because we couldn't have done it without them. Yeah, I saw um, on that list of oral histories, and I'm going to sit there and listen to another yeah. rabbit hole for me, yeah. with Jan Platt, a yeah. former right. city councilwoman, county commissioner, great environmentalist. Peter Clark, uh, I think, is interviewed on there. All the local legends right. and I'm trying to right. make you know make the bay what you know better and yeah. fr and frankly we've seen it get better uh, over the last, uh, you know, decades, um, you know, incrementally. Well, and this is while millions of people are moving into the area, by the way. So, you know, that's pretty amazing in and of itself that it hasn't just gone completely to pot because, you know, we've had, I don't know how many millions of people move into the Bay Area. Yeah. But to not give the wrong idea, you know, Gandhi's collection isn't just about the environmental shots. No. I mean, there's right. a whole set of... So you pulled it up on, on your little iPad here, and, and let's talk about some of these am amazing uh, shots from, you know, back in the day. Uh, here's one, uh, 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 Wolf Brothers, uh, for those of you who might remember it. Uh, there's a car with Wolf Brothers. I knew... Mr. Wolf, Fred Wolf, and Airline of the Stars. What is that? So Is that I, national? Uh, that is an advertising campaign, and there are several from Wolf Brothers. Both he and primarily Sandy Gandy, his dad, did a lot of the advertising photography for Wolf Brothers, which was a big department store in downtown Tampa for many years. Yeah, it rivaled uh, Moss Brothers it downtown. Did. And friendly competitors, I think. Uh, oh, totally. Yeah. And so there's a whole list of those, but that's just a small example of uh, some of the things I think you, you see there's, and I put this story online and people jumped all over it. You know, my take on these photographs, both the Burgerts and Gandhi's, is, isn't that every picture tells a story, it's that every picture has a story. And as I look at these photographs and I do the research and the history into what some of those buildings were, Haber's uh, department store, for example, in downtown Tampa. I didn't know this history, but apparently it was a really big deal, really popular store. And uh, one day it turns out that uh, Mr. Haber got murdered. Yes. His wife was uh, prosecuted for it and did 25 years in jail. And there's you know, a whole detailed story that goes just with that photograph. And I think it's important that we, number one, as a city, but also as a as human beings, we remember not only the, the pleasant parts, but also some of our painful history and what Tampa was made of and what some of those buildings can remind us of. And when I put that online, my goodness, a lot of people just jumped on it and told not only was it their favorite store to, sh to shop in, but their uh, remembrance of the Habers and that family and the horrible experience. Because he lived on Davis Island, so there were a lot of Davis Island people significantly impacted by that story. And so many photographs in the Gandhi collection have those stories that go behind them. And I kind of see that as, as my lot in life is to not only publish those photographs, but also tell some of the history behind them because there's some fascinating, fascinating stuff. Yeah. Lenny, uh, if you're listening, uh, wasn't it Leanna's um, uh, dad who worked at Haber's? Yeah, and I was just thinking. I think EJ was a part of that that trial, so uh, this was this was a really big deal and big deal. a huge story. I mean, tabloid before there was tabloid, right. right? Yeah, right. How lucky are we to have you know this history available to us, and to have storytellers like yourself, Chip and Andy, take um, complete ownership of all of this, step and, right in, and and fill that need for us. Uh, you know, tell tell me and and listeners uh, what it is about these old photographs. 
you know, you got to switch hats now. We can talk F-stops and lighting all day long, but right now I want you to put on your psychologist hat. Okay. Tell me what it is that um, makes, gives us, a, a changes our physiology about looking at some of these Pulls photographs. Pulls at our Especially the black and white ones. What is it about that that takes us to that place that we can't really put our finger on, but we just compelled to look at it? I've done a lot of thinking about this, uh, not only just in general, but also my enthusiasm for these collections and why it touches me so much. And I guess what I come up with is physiologically, you know, there's been a lot of study recently on trauma. And there's a part of our brain called the amygdala. It's right in the core of our brains. And in theory, what happens when we experience trauma is that that's where it's recorded. Not only do we take sort of a video or images of that event, but we also attach feelings to it. And so you've heard this word come up a lot recently about being triggered. Well, we see a, a sight or we hear a sound or we smell a smell and it triggers that old image and brings on that emotion that we attach to that image. I think there's a positive side to that as well. There's a, when I see it, again, physiologically, I think what happens for me is there's, there's this chemical in the brain called dopamine. And when we connect points in our brain and it feels good, we're like, wow, that's really cool. And I think that's what happens is that as we get older, we do that reminiscing about where we've been and what we've seen. And when we see that image, when we see that place, when we have that memory that goes with it and the feeling that goes with it, I think that's part of what happens in why so many people are turned on to these, these images. And I'm going to say especially as we get older. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the, the younger generation, you know, they're still experiencing. They're still collecting those images. They're still and making those connecting there points. There it is. And, you know, and I wonder if, you know, so as Tempeños, as, as native, you know, native-born folks like yes. Chip and, and Mario and myself, uh, you know, we, we relate to these things on that level that you're talking about. But I also think it's important that folks who are new to town, yes. and I'm sure you run into right. a lot of them. A lot. Are they interested in these photos too? It's and that's especially that's, that before and after thing. That's the thing, and that's that's what uh, those books that I published are. They're they're both before and after, and it's just a wow factor yeah. because they can. A lot of those buildings still exist, but they look very different, and a lot of people have been in them, and they never knew that that history was there. So that's yeah. I think that's part of that that piece. Well, and I think I can speak for someone you know who's born from out of town. I, I grew up in Clearwater, so okay. you know I a lot of the landmarks you know they uh, resonate I, I, with you, Andy. Well, no, I, I missed out on them. Sure. Honestly, you, you don't know, get I across mean, a day when spend, you're a kid. Yeah. yeah, did not spend a lot of time in Tampa when I was a kid. So, um, but for me, you know, it's a it's a different kind of a different kind of nostalgia, you know. And I was just helping a, a filmmaker the other day talking about. Um, Postcards, Florida postcards. Sure. You know, and how, how much images dictate the, what we imagine about a place. Our belief system. What we expect about, right, yeah. our belief system, everything. And so, for better or worse, like Florida postcards and, and citrus labels and everything else sort of set the tone for what everyone expected Florida to be. And, and, in, and a lot of times what they made Florida once they got here. You mean there's not right. flamingos everywhere? <laughs> say nothing, say nothing, Andy, of those uh, uh, Stucky uh, pecan logs at you know, <laughs> right. any of the rest stops. I'm just saying. Right. Andy, you ended up with the postcard collection, um, didn't you? Of, yeah, of Hampton Dunn. Of Hampton Dunn. And yeah, Lenny, Lenny and I went over. Talk honey, about that. Honey, tell that story about how, us going over to Hampton Dunn's house. I loved Hampton Dunn, and, and I knew him. You know, his real job was with uh, AAA, but he did wonderful 
historical stuff. And for a while, he was doing a segment when I was at WTVT as a reporter. He was doing a weekly segment on uh, his postcards and, and historic stuff. But, yeah, we were lucky enough to go over to his house one day and sit around the table with his wife. Oh, they were and lovely. Been, and it was it was just so great. And looking at these things, and he was just, he was so real. He was so down to earth and so warm and just... Uh, and that was one of your earliest documentaries was Postcards from Tampa Bay. That's right. I was going to tell Andy Hughes he's cheating on me by talking to other documentary producers. <laughs> I don't know about this. Uh -uh. I don't know about and this. Chip, she's referring to Chip, who does documentaries. Well, you know, and one of the other things uh, that we should mention here is that uh, our dean has been very, uh, the dean of the library system, Tom Chavez, has been very uh, generous in giving us money to digitize, you know, reformat photographs. Sure. Um, but it all got gobbled up pretty quick uh, on this uh, this plan. So the Gandhi stuff did not make it into that plan. And so we had some money left over. But Chip is the really the one who got this whole thing started wow. yes. um, nice. by by putting some of his own money uh, into this. And we're currently in a fundraising campaign for this. It's kind of a mini fundraising so, campaign. So they get mad at us if we ask for specifically for money. But if people want to find out more about those efforts. Right. Um, you can look up uh, Skip Gandhi. Photograph collection um, at the USF libraries. Yes, and there's we have a herd funding um, uh, a web page for it, so you can just go on there and uh, okay, yeah, and uh, yeah. I think if you go to the Skip Gandhi page at the USF library, there's a link. There is a link if you want to participate. We would love to. Love yeah, to so have you can it. actually take a look at the photographs first if you want, and then um, click well, some on, of them. On now the there's, there's, a, yeah, there's an event. We have some. We only have a, a, a handful that are actually scanned but you know and as chip said these are all small negatives so they're they're a challenge they're not just you can't scan these sure. like you scan a normal thing um so anyway that, but we're really excited about this because for me it's going to give us a whole new language of tampa's past basically yeah and there's an event coming up um in regard to the collection and i'm sure um Tell there us about is. it, Chip. It's, uh, it's next week. Eric. Next Friday at 11 o'clock at the Tampa Bay History Center. So uh, after you listen to this show correct. at 10 to 11 yes. next Friday. Yes. Scamper right over. Scamper right over there. You can listen to it in your while, car. While you're riding. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but at, at the History Center? At the History downtown. Center. Downtown. It's, it's part of the uh, Tampa Archives Week, that, something that the city uh, sponsors. And we're going to have a presentation really on the history of photography the last 100 years. But primarily, we're going to focus a lot on what, what the Gandhi uh, collection does. And I think I already said this, but basically, the Burgerts were around from the late 1800s to the 1960s. The Gandhi collection takes us from the 1960s really to the early 2000s. And it's just this beautiful lineage of, of visual uh, parts of Tampa. So now, will, will there be like a slideshow? There um, will. You yeah, and how many how many photographs were in the Burgerts? I mean, was it something like fifteen thousand? Oh, the wow. library so far has twenty thousand. Okay, and I I talked to them not too long ago, and they say they're about done as far as scanning and putting them online. Right. But my understanding, when they found the Burger collection in file cabinets in a garage in South Tampa, wow. that was <laughs> you know they were really deteriorated. Originally, right. there was maybe fifty thousand of those, um, but. A lot of those had deteriorated. This may be the time to, to, to make that ask of, the, of our listeners, <clears throat> if you're out there, because this is the time of our lives when, you know, as, as our elders are transitioning and leaving us, you know, some of, we don't even know what's in the attic or we don't even know what's in that chest mm -hmm. in the closet or buried somewhere. Right. Look, you know, if you have these old photographs, if you're interested in, 
in preserving history and and you want to contribute, this would be the time to do that. You know, you don't you don't just dispose of these things. If you don't know what to do with them, you walk them into a library. You reach out to the local his, historical society. You call Andy Hughes at USF. You reach out or, to Chip. Or, Chip. Cre- or Creative on Main Street. Lynn, what do you guys do with the uh, old films? Oh, yeah, we love people when they, they bring their old family films, the 8 millimeters, the even 16 millimeter uh you know, we we are able to digitize them, which is wonderful. And you incorporate but, them into a lot of your documentaries, just snippets of family stuff. And if I can take a second, gentleman, just to give a shout out to Jennifer Dietz at the city yes, of Tampa. very much who, so. Who is just an amazing awesome. archivist and, and really loves the history and lives it and is a wonderful resource for anyone who wants either genealogy or documentary work or whatever. She's she's all in and um She's a, she's a fantastic person. So thanks, Jennifer, for all you do. Mario, we're waiting for phone calls, but you got an email coming in? I do, I do. And don't be bashful about calling us, 813-239-9663. But I do have an email I'd like to read. Thank you for submitting this email. It says, hi, guys. I have a couple of books by John Sinchette, yes. whose family ran the Sinchette Neon Sign yes. Company. Oh, it's yeah. so cool to see the old neon signs that used to be seen all over the Tampa Bay area. It was a, it was neat to see how creative the signs were. The Little Pancake uh, Inn sign on Hillsborough Avenue was one of the coolest. Keep up the great work. David Bryant. David, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to remind us that the Sinchette family was also a big, big part of this. Yeah, thanks for that, David. And if you haven't uh, seen or purchased uh, his book, it's, it's a brilliant uh, cross-section of signs because his dad owned the, the sign company and mm. they both photographed it. Uh, get, a, get a hold of that book and look if you like some of these vintage uh, photographs of Tampa because it's fantastic. So, guys, one thing, another thing you two have in common is food, and I can't help but think that the, your paths crossing. As I as I look at some of these photographs as well, a lot of them are restaurants. Here's the the Sweden House. I remember it, but come where, on, where was it? Dale Mabry. Dale Mabry. Dale Mabry. I thought so. Yeah, Dan Good sandwiches. That looks like yes, Dale Mabry as well. Um, so anyway, how do you guys cross paths in terms, Andy? You're Crazy well, food, per- well, food. Yeah, uh, Chip, uh, he he actually was very generous. He took the picture for uh, for the cover for the the Cuban sandwich book. So along with uh, Dr. Barbara Cruz and Jeff Hauk from the Columbia Restaurant, we wrote the book on the the book right now on the Cuban sandwich. The, you can say that. You can absolutely the, the say that. Award-winning book, the award yeah. award-winning nineteen yeah, well, uh, twenty twenty two, last year's uh, Florida. Food book of the year. Yeah, so it it turned out really well, and I was really happy with you know Chip's work on it. And we just we really got to know each other then, and you know ever since then we we realized um, how much we have kind of the same passion for this kind of stuff. You know, the other thing I wanted to point out too is that the Gandhi family, uh, Chip, I mean uh, Skip, sorry, passed away uh, in um, twenty twenty, and. I reached out to the family, and, and they actually agreed on a Creative Commons license for Skip's work, uh, so, which is amazing. So it means that what does that can, mean? It means you can treat them like the Burger Brothers. So if you want to make, if you got a private business and you want to make a calendar, you know, and you want to sell that, you can do that. An open license, really. yes, it's completely open. open source. So there's there's no copyright to deal with. All you have to do is is give acknowledgement that, you know, this is courtesy of... Did Skip, Skip have children? Uh, did he? Yes, he, he did. did. Yes, yeah. he did. And they were, they were the ones that helped us with the permission. I want to tag on to that, though. Part of my fascination with the collection as I look through it 
again, 80,000 photos, is that I actually found family members, three family members in that collection. And it was astonishing. And I think part of the fun that uh, Tampa folks, Tampeños, are going to have. Thank you. Shout out. <laughs> are going to have is that there are dozens and dozens of businesses. Skip went in and took um, headshots and staff shots of dozens of businesses around. And I think part of the fun is going to be for Tampeños to look through that collection and see, wow, there's Uncle Bob. Or, you know, I remember my, my dad worked there. And uh, one of the difficulties with Gandhi's collection is they aren't well documented as far as exactly who the people are. The business is, is written on the envelope where the negatives are, but the specific folks, for the most part, aren't written. And but I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Um, because I, I read that in your comments, but can you get people to help you with that? You know, because yes. I, I saw something that maybe I, you know, was a little more familiar with than you were or something like that. And I want to give you that feedback. Yes. How, how can people give Make you that feedback? ask, Chip, and, and an email address will have, you know, the best way they can get in touch with you. Well, well, I'm going to I'm going to pass that to Andy. Is there, yeah, is, that's, that's where your librarians come in. You just just give me a call um, and we might actually have a protocol for that once once it actually goes up. And people start to interact well, we, with the, the, and the interactive yeah, nature of it would we be may great. have an actual protocol for it where people can. So, you know, and we have an amazing uh, digital curator, Amanda Bozar. Hello, Amanda. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Amanda. Great yeah. job. And, and so I think, you know, I bet she could make some kind of workflows to yeah. where you could click on, you know, I know something about this photo right next make to the comment, photo. Make a comment. Make a comment next to it. Yeah. I think in the Mosley collection, which we'll talk about another day, um, I do. I think that there is a feedback section there. Did you know Julia Mosley, et cetera? Send us your send us your thoughts and your your memories. It's even happening online now. Uh, one of the two hundred photos that uh, Skip uh, that's printed is of a guy holding a bunch of loaves of Cuban bread, and it just says something like "man holding Cuban bread." And someone put it online yesterday. It turns out that was Joe Valdez, who was the owner of Spanish Park Restaurant. Yeah. I didn't know that. But it's that collective knowledge of, of the community and of the city that can help label some of the stuff and help us get a broader understanding of what these images stand for. And so I think it would be a great thing to have a feedback. It contextualizes loop. everything. Exactly right. and, if, and if anybody's out there, you know, leaning in right now going, I know where we can help. This is your opportunity to be a part of something that's bigger than everybody in this room. Yeah. I think that when it's all said and done, these pictures and the stories will be captured uh, into perpetuity. So 100 years from now, people doing research on the Tampa Bay area, Tampa specifically in this case, but... This is the time to develop all of those protocols. And, and once those images are online, again, of, of the businesses and things, having that feedback loop will be helpful. And there's so many people that still have knowledge, and that's part of why I feel so compelled to do it now, is that as we get older, myself included, as I look at these images, I can connect to them. 25 years from now, there will be fewer people who do. Yeah, and that dopamine's kicking That's, in. Oh, man, every Isn't time it? I see we that image, I'm like, wait a voice. <laughs> I know that place, and then I go online and I find it, and, you know, and I find the address and all that, and I can look at the old well, building. And listen, and uh, this is not hits. just about Tampa. This is the whole Bay Area. Correct. Exactly I think right. this station, we're out in five or six counties. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, we're at 813-239-9663. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org. We've got Andy Andy Hughes and Chip Weiner, two fantastic guys who are, are just helping us uh, save the memories 
and uh, and they're here uh, with us today talking about uh, Skip Gandy and his uh, fantastic collection. So, uh, Chip, um, I'm sitting here looking at, uh, at JFK in Tampa. How about in color? And, in and, color. And I'm not sure if this – he came to Tampa twice, um, once in uh, 59, 60 when he was running – and then in 63, uh, I think four or five days before. Four days before. You're right. You've got right. that right. Thank you. And I believe this is the 63 because there's also other images of him in his awesome helicopter taking off. Ah. And there's just, oh, it's so, so that was a, that Alopez. was in Lopez Field. Right. Yep. And uh, Lynn, you have a little expertise in this. Just a little, but I, I do agree. I think that's 1963 from the other photos we used in the documentary. Yeah, I see that it says seal of the president. So clearly right. this was after he was elected. And color photos, because what we've seen, Tony's a pony. The man with the plan, the Shout guy who to had his, his camera to there. Yeah, uh, his photos I think really have been at the at the front of the line here for a long time related to Kennedy's visit. But as I'm going through this collection and I see these color photographs of Kennedy, and I'm like, oh my goodness, just more compelling reasons to to get this thing digitized because mm -hmm. there's so much of it. Chip, that. it's almost like the first time when when you see uh, color. Uh, Film footage yeah. of of the major league base uh, of, of major league baseball scene back in the 1930s and 40s. You know, because everything we've seen up to that point was black and white. And then right. when you see that the, that Dodger blue, that Brooklyn Dodger blue, right. or you know, the, it's it just does something. Again, the physiology changes. That dopamine kicks in. Just this picture here, you realize the sun hitting JFK in a certain way. You see the red in his hair, which yep. you know ordinarily you wouldn't think of something like that. So well, it's, it's really funny. Stunning. It's funny you mentioned the red in his hair because our good friend uh, Joe Gonzalez mm -hmm. in Lenny's documentary. What did he say, hon? Yeah, he said he had red hair growing up as a kid. He was in one of the marching bands to welcome the president when he came to Tampa. And uh, he was so thrilled to see that the president had red hair like he did as a little boy. It was just a thrill. But, uh, yeah, these, you know, it, it touches our hearts and it just, it comes alive when it's in color, doesn't it? It's just like, wow. Yeah, and the, the, the colors are really beautiful. And there's another photograph from the same day um, where on the stage there's, Kennedy speaking, but there's a there's a whole bunch of other politicians whole behind bunch. him, yeah. including like Sam Gibbons, who just joined Congress sure. from the Florida Senate at the time. Yeah, they were good friends. Yeah, you've got uh, Terrell Sessoms, mm -hmm. of course, who is no longer with us. Um, Lenny got Nick to interview. Lenny, Lenny got yeah. to interview Sam Gibbons. It was the last interview he gave mm -hmm. uh, before he passed, talking about his glorious, wonderful day spent with his good friend, Jack Kennedy. Mm -hmm. As I think about it, you know, there's images during the campaign as well, because it's, mm. it's my favorite image that I've found so far. It's of the Kennedy-Johnson rocket that they pulled around with a car. <laughs> it's down on Bayshore Boulevard, and it looks like a rocket, and there's this cool guy standing next to it. It's fantastic. Did it they put it in Gasparilla Parade or something? Or? No, they just pulled it around the country, I think, for the campaign. Uh, Paul Guzzo wrote a, a cool article on this uh, in, uh, with the Tampa Times. And Shout out to Guzzo. Thank you. Jason, what do, what do young people think about this? these historic photos? Is this just something I mean, that we I'll, care about? I've always been a sucker for my folks' sepia tone photos. I mean, like, growing up, they were always, right when you walked in the living room, they were literally right on the mantelpiece. So, I mean, as a Same kid, thing. I've always had, like, a yeah. deep, deep, deep-seated nostalgia for them. So, like, I appreciate the Kodachrome, I guess we'll say. Kodachrome. That, that <laughs> technique that was used back then, you know, in the earliest days with the plates and the silver night and all the things that had to be the, the developing of the pictures, 
that just has progressed and, and now where we are, we need to preserve the, I'm, I'm going to make an all out call out right now to anybody who's out there listening. Get if you wanna, in your attic. Yeah. If you want to help, this is a great time to, if you want to contribute what you have presently, you don't know what to do with the photos you have of your family members. Mario, right, you got an email there? I do. And I want to read this as well. Thank you. It says, thank you all for sharing this amazing information. Mm-hmm. Not a native. A great conversation. Thank you, Beth, for sending in that Thank you. that wonderful email. So you see, this resonates with everybody. This is universal. Right. What we're talking about is universal. So and this next, this next picture I'm looking at just cracks me up um, because it's old and it's new and it's present. This is the uh, in Hyde Park Village, uh, the the restaurant that is now what. Uh, Bar Taco. Bar Taco. It's sort of triangular-shaped right. restaurant at the confluence of snow and something else. But uh, that restaurant has been there forever. That photograph is of bone shakers, and people who were around in the 70s and 80s will remember that. Was that the first one at that location? It was. Yeah. It lasted for three years. It then transformed into TGI Fridays. Yeah, Fridays. That red and white awning. Classic. Yeah, classic. And from there... Cactus Club, I believe, That's right. was next. Club, yeah. That was Herb Gold owned the Cactus Club back in the day. Shout out to Herb. And so, again, just this whole lineage, and it starts with that. And when I put that image online, folks were just, oh, I remember Bone Shakers. And I went there and I drank when I was underage. You know, just people able to remember their lives is just so cool. My, my dad, rest in peace, did not take us out to restaurants very often, Okay. I will not uh, abuse him any any more uh, than that, but <laughs> but but I do remember distinctly that he wanted to go to Fridays, yeah. and that was such a big deal because it was a sit down restaurant. Yeah. We're not talking steak and shake or or, or Frisch's Big Boy, right. okay? It was a sit down restaurant, and we all had to behave. <laughs> Did you? Well, apparently, John? not everyone behaved at Bone Shakers, from what I understand. <laughs> right. Thursday and Friday nights was Rocks. you know yeah just. A lot of fun from what I understand, from the feedback I get from people. So, and yeah. we should we should remind everybody if you're a fan of of the Robertson Fresh Photograph Collection, photographic collection, and the Burger Brothers, which we mentioned earlier, roughly about twenty thousand images. This is four times that amount. Yes. So we really need to do all we can to help these two fine gentlemen uh, in the cause of preserving all of these negatives. Can you imagine what's left that hasn't been developed That's yet? That's a lot of work. I That's, can't wait. It's Andy, a lot of work, that, and it's going to take a lot of resources. Yeah, what's that website again so they can see it, they can hear about it, they can hear about the uh, the efforts to preserve? Yeah, if you look up uh, Skip Gandy Photo Collection, you'll see a couple different uh, one, but the one with the actual... Uh, I think it's uh, Digital Commons, I believe. That's the the website is going to have that in it. Um, that will actually have the photographs that, that some of that are actually digitized already. And then if you scroll down, uh, there's a there's a link to the herd funding page. So I've got a, uh, a photograph I'm looking at. This one, uh, Mario perked up on when he saw it earlier. Oh, you like, know, uh, you, one of the earliest malls in the area. And mm-hmm. Did you hang out there, Mario? Everybody did. Who didn't? If you didn't go to the Tampa Bay Mall, which is now on the property that houses uh, One Buck Place, you know, it, it was the coolest thing happening when it happened. The Tampa Bay Mall, and you, and you were running around as a, as a 
as a kid uh, no 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 I was in trouble it, no, it, was, it was my high school years already i was already into high school i was driving already by that time so i could Cause get there trouble. on my own Cause but trouble. it was the kind of mall that was two levels so it we didn't great. we didn't have that that was cool the food court was exceptional that had a movie theater certainly but the neat part about it was you could go there and on any given Friday or Saturday, you could see, like, okay, there's, in that little corner is a collection of Hillsborough High School students. Look, TC's over there. Run into all your friends. All of your pals. And Winnie, what did you and Christopher oh, do? shout out to Christopher Humphreys. He loved that mall. We would go there and just hang out and walk. And Glass elevator. Shop. How cool was that? It was just, it was just great. But see, this is what I'm talking yeah, about. Exactly. All of those memories. That's the thing. That's the juice. That's what gets this collection up and running. Tampa Bay Center is one of 80,000 photos that everyone that's been in Tampa for any amount of time can can glom onto and and have some recollections, some good recall, and by the way, get a copy of the photograph once we get this stuff digitized. Cool you can go that? online, download it, print it, put it on your living room wall if that's what you there, want there to There were Spencer's Gifts, and remember they had yeah. a Jersey Gym Towers. If you're at all a techie or you liked the latest and the newest, they had they had gizmos and screens and computers, and it was just, it was great. And then the shopping was great. It was just... <laughs> he took yeah. images in there when it was being built, so there's some construction photos wow. in there as well. Yeah, I, You know, I get uh, the goose, the proverbial goosebumps the, just the, thinking about it. The yeah. evolution of shopping in Tampa is, in, or in the, really in the whole Bay Area, because I'm sure St. Petersburg went through the same thing. But, you know, back in the in the 50s, you went downtown. Right. And, and then in the 60s, which is more familiar to me, and we lived over toward Britain Plaza, You, I rode my little Stingray bicycle up the Britain Plaza. A hundred percent. You know, and that's where you went. And then as we got into high school, um, then you, you know, maybe you drove a little further. You went a little further and you went to the Tampa Bay Mall or to University Mall. Uh, you know, some of those air conditioned. West Shore Mall. Or West, excuse East me, West Shore Mall for sure. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but anyways, it's, so it's sort of evolved. Now, of course, malls are dying, uh, so to speak. They're being re repurposed in some ways. Yeah, definitely. Reconfi reconfigured. I know. Nice I know. Jason. It's, yeah, that you just was, redeemed he woke yourself. Up. He woke up. <laughs> with, with, with a minute to go, Jason joined everyone. Oh, my God. He's two for two. Okay, okay with, Jason. With a minute, overdo it. With Damn a minute boy. to go. Listen, we just want to say, guys, thank you so much for joining us in studio today. Andy, oh, thank always. You. Andy Chip, Hughes. Thank you, Chip guys. Wiener. Thank you. And listen, please come back maybe in you know a little bit of time and, and tell us where we are and what we need to do to continue to push the ball down the field and hopefully get it across the finish it's line. A it's a great show, guys. Keep it dirty, Mario. Yeah, well, we tried. Just like, you saw me at the beginning trying to. I know. But. You know what? i got to lighten it up every now and then. <laughs> the phones didn't ring as much, but we know people were listening. They were. And uh, and we appreciate you guys coming on and joining us, telling us about the Skip Gandy collection. You can see it at University of South Florida Collections and also at the event on the 14th at the uh, History Center. Be okay. there next week. Be there. Be there next week or be square. Be yeah. there or be square. Yeah. You guys are 11, superheroes. 11 o'clock next week, and I can promise you as soon as the show wraps, we're racing down there to be with you guys. For sure. Let me say that, and I say this each and every week, and I say it and I mean it with all of my heart on behalf of my broadcast partner, John Dingfelder, our engineer, Jason Marlowe, who Hello. woke up at the end of the show. Thank you so much. <laughs> been here. Our phone screener who contributed mightily today, our part-time producer as well, Lynn Marvin Dingfelder. Hola. I'm Mario Nunez, I'd like to say. Uh, stay tuned now because in just a couple of minutes, uh, The Skinny is coming up with Ray Roa, Ben Montgomery, and Mitch Perry. Have a nice weekend, everybody. We love you. Salute and happy days. Be well, everyone.